Welcome to the Chorus of Voices as we move beyond faith in an ideology and toward faith in the promise of humanity. That's the future. A future beyond splintered identities, dwarfing the vastness of human belonging. You're listening to On Human Belonging, a project of the Foundation for Human Belonging. I'm your host, Shireen Kadosi. This is uh, Hamidullah Khyber. I'm uh, from Afghanistan, from Lagman province. I'm uh, 30 year, 32 years old. I was a teen when I uh, started uh, working for the uh, uh, ISAF forces, uh, especially United States Army and contributing nations. I was an interpreter with uh, uh, SF and uh, American SF and other nations such as Great Britain and uh, French. I would like to start from like 12 years back when, uh, I mean, from 2001, uh, we were hoping a bright future back in Afghanistan, in our own country. We were trying to, uh, we were supportive to the uh, NATO mission and uh, the U.S. freedom operation in Afghanistan. And we were hoping for uh, one day that Afghanistan will be a free, independent and uh, without terrorist country. The terror will end at some point, but uh, sadly, we were hoping uh, for good, it went to a very worse situation where the uh, chair got the power again and uh, the government uh, in Afghanistan that we, we sacrificed, both the, the United States Army, contributing nations and Afghans, have sacrificed their blood. We've lost a lot of soldiers' friends to, uh, to have a peaceful Afghanistan, to have the human rights, national constitution and the government in place. Sadly, that uh, all went back, and when I was I was a teen when I got shot first time fighting for for a peaceful Afghanistan uh, against her. But uh, uh, now uh, we were back, back a few days back when when I was in Afghanistan. I woke up in the morning and uh, the government collapsed, and I I got information that Taliban are in Kabul gates and they're entering like in a few minutes. So the first thing I did, I tried to contact the government officials that I knew, and because I used to work for the Afghan government as the uh, border uh, provincial director as well, and advised that to the uh, president. So uh, I tried to, uh, to contact several people that I knew, uh, locations. Sadly, most of them were out of the country, and uh, uh, some of them were like in Panjshir. So uh, I tried to uh, to find out what's exactly going on. Before I read somebody, the uh, insurgents made it into the city, and uh, uh, my guards, the security that I had, told me that they are already in. And uh, uh, I asked them to escort me outside to the city. Let's find out uh, what's going on. So I went outside the city, uh, to Kabul city, to Masood Square, where the uh, one of the Taliban soldiers, along with his big hair, was uh, pulling off the Afghan flag and uh, trying to put the white flag on. And that's when I understood that it's all over. Uh, we were asked on the way that who we are, we, we introduced ourselves and uh, the national security guards we had, it's called, it was called the uh, 001 police for Kabul ranks. Uh, it was a def- defensive rank, but sadly all of them took out their, they were not in uniform, they dropped their weapons and they'd already given it to Taliban when I got there. So uh, the next decision I made was how to get out. So I got back to my home and uh, asked friends that worked with me. The, the soldiers that I've worked, that I've worked with and the, uh, the young politicians we had in the country. I made several calls. The network was very busy. It was very difficult to, get to, to find your friends on, on, on that uh, dark day. However, we, I managed to find some of the friends. Uh, we had a lot of meeting, what to do next. And uh, 
there was no next and there was no 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 future so uh, uh the plan was how to get out because uh we couldn't fight uh independently with the taliban and we had no uh, support from uh international community and the government already collapsed so uh at that point, uh, we went on separate ways. We we changed the location that we were in. We uh, we went to the, like uh, friends' houses and uh, then tried to hide there uh, along with our guards. As I had PST uh, from the government, so uh, yeah, I had to make a very uh, uh, smart decision and on how to deal with all that to to make sure that my, my guards are alive and my friends are. Uh, I, I I hold master degree in economics, so. Uh, I, I and, and all of our friends were like the uh, Intellectual Foundation members, and uh, they worked really hard for our country. Well, uh, then uh, I, I tried, I managed to get to the Hamid Karza International Airport, which is located in Kabul. Uh, I saw like the whole nation was on the street, like over a million people were, they were in Kabul routes. Everybody was heading to the airport. They had no paperwork, no visas, and nothing, which was uh, very sad. And kids, women on the street. Those women that we, 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 we fought for a long time for their, for their rights. And uh, we, we risked our life every single day and minute to, 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 to uh, fight against terrorism and finally uh, have a peaceful Afghanistan, human rights, women rights, and, and, and constitution, and, and, and uh, a stable government, uh, uh, a stable, centralized, strong government. Uh, sadly, what, what actually happened uh, uh, due to the bad politics and uh, and, and involvement of the uh, some of the countries such as Pakistan and, and Iran, the government collapsed. Um, I, I don't want to hide that. I would like to bring it to the uh, international media and international community that uh, uh, some of our neighbors has been involved in, in the supporting terrorism in Afghanistan, uh, bombing kids, killing women, and uh, and all that. Like like we can see today, who, who is backing up Taliban? I mean. Where they were, and uh, the story starts from back from Bin Laden, where uh, he was killed. So uh, the international community is well aware of the condition that who is supporting uh, the insurgents in Afghanistan. So uh, I want to go back to the story where the uh, uh, I made I made it to the airport, and uh, we were in the airport. The, the the sad part was as soon as the personnel, the security company in the airport, were responsible for checking the passengers, make sure they are um, uh, they have the right documents to, to board onto a flight. Uh, they suddenly start running, and all the stuff from Hamid Karzai Airport run away. We were sitting there. I was with my father, who, who was like, uh, who, who has suffered um, two heart attacks before and has two stands, and he's an old man. I asked him, like, uh, will you be willing to go back home? Uh, I have no choice, and uh, we have to get the guards back together and get back home. And uh, he was like, well, you need to run away. I said, like, I have no way to run away, and I can't leave you behind. So we went back to our home. The, the funny part was as soon as the uh, – because I was involved in media and the government, and I uh, was well known for working for the United States Army, and I used to be uh, uh, involved in logistic affairs, uh, a pretty much engagement officer for HQISAF. So I, I hold a very critical position back then, which made me very famous in the country. Meanwhile, I'm the uh, – Owner and founder of Khyber Nawakht radio station and Lakman province that covered the, that that is broadcasting in seven provinces of Afghanistan. So uh, I was a well-known face to uh, and, and and straight away targeted to, by insurgents. So uh, I went to my home and then like when I made it from the airport back to the home in, in an hour, 
I received a notification, like a message on my phone that uh, some of the Taliban are heading to your home. I was like, okay, great. Let's uh, let's see what happens. I mean, this like uh, not a peace cancellation, but I don't think that uh, they will uh, be able to uh, or they will make a decision to kill me straight away. When I when I uh, when they arrived, there were like over 90 people, and uh, my guards were like only 10 or 15 down uh, in, in, the, in front of the building. I made the decision to go out and speak to them, and I did. I went out there, there was a, a mullah by the name of uh, Hassamuddin, who, who was uh, from my tribe, and uh, he was telling me that I had to go with him and be with him, uh, and that would be a safe uh, heaven for me if I uh, go with him and give him all the weapons. Well, I refused to give him the weapons, and I said, well, we are from the same area, from the same tribe. I appreciate that you came all the way here, and uh, I don't think I would go with you, but you need to give me one or two days, so I speak with my father, and then, I mean, that was the only way to lie to him and get away with it. So, I did, and I told him to give me 48 hours, I will speak to my family, father, and then we'll, we'll make a decision. So, he left uh, two guards in the in front of the building, which made it worse, and uh, saying that, well, they, they will give you full security. So then uh, I asked my guard commander, who was a police officer, and uh, I said he was a, a lieutenant from the uh, uh, Afghan police uh, in Ministry of Interior. I asked him that, uh, what does he think? And he told me that uh, he has heard the, uh, the fighters, the Taliban fighters, talking to each other that uh, they have a plan to uh, kill you tonight. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Okay. Anyways, so I went back to my father. It was like a movie that uh, I was thinking, like I'm in Hollywood somewhere and. Uh, fighting and you know I, and I'm not, I wasn't even aware what's like gonna happen so uh, there was the uh, I spoke to my father and I said well this is the condition they have the guards downstairs and uh, we couldn't go anywhere well the only option I have to use all my power uh, and get to the airport uh, again but there are no flights so how are you gonna make it out and uh, out of Afghanistan that's when I sent an email to uh, Colonel Sean Seberg uh, Bird and uh, he, he coordinated with the relevant authorities. So uh, then we were able on the second day to uh, to make it to the airport along with those policemen that I had for my security. And I told those two uh, Taliban fighters that I would be back in an hour. But uh, we were actually not returning. So uh, I went to the uh, obligate where the uh, British uh, uh, soldiers were. And that was guarded by Taliban as well. As soon as they saw guards in uniform, they, they opened fire on us and then uh, i i called them radio and said like Let, let's go to the north gate and well luckily nobody was hit but we made it to the north gate that there, there were like uh, u.s marines and uh, u.s soldiers what as soon as i saw them i, I took my green card i was like hey i'm a green card holder and uh, then the the uh, the the soldier asked me to go close to him and i did so uh, that's when he told me that you're good get in I went inside the airport, like five meters difference between Taliban and the U.S. personnel. That's where I was like, well, you're back in heaven. I mean, at least you're safe. Then the concern was how to get my father in. I was not aware that the, uh, the U.S. will uh, evacuate your families as well. So as soon as I discussed that with the, uh, with the officer there, he told me that, where is your father? Let's get him in as well. So then I shouted for my father to come in. They were like, Thousands of people out there. It was very difficult to to, to get into the gate or uh, even near the uh, the American Army personnel. Anyway, so uh, we were uh, the soldiers gave us some water and uh, said, "Well, stay calm." And then uh, we made it inside. And uh, from there, there was the the first flight that we took uh, because I have a history of working with British Army as well. 
uh, it was a British flight because my father had no documents and the only option was to, to catch that flight and, and make it to the U UK. And we luckily did. So we arrived here and from here I managed, uh, then I called my guards to to surrender and give the weapons to them. We had no option because they would kill them and the threats were out there. They attacked my, my radio station in Lackman. I have photos to share whenever you would like to, to, to get it. They are beating up my guards, uh, the journalists we had there. Um, um, and I uh, received that bad news as soon as I arrived to, to UK. The other uh, bit of that was that we have a family house that's called Lackman White House, and that is built by, by my father and family. They, they went in there, they broke everything. They broke like uh, they, they broke the windows, they broke the uh, the, the, the doors, and, and pretty much like whatever they could do to the building. And I'm like, well, there was no sign of the building. There was a fight between the government and the right and, 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 and wrong, so why would they do that? Anyways, back when, when I got here, I still have my WhatsApp on. That's an Afghan number, and I uh, still receive calls. They took my personal cars. They took a Land Cruiser that I had. They took a Chevrolet, uh, the armed Chevrolet that I had, and the, the two uh, uh, Rangers that I had for uh, my bodyguards. They took those as well. And... Uh, uh, they took all the weapons that was given issued by the government to us to protect ourselves, and uh, we went from uh, hero to zero. So uh, that that was the uh, pretty much uh, a level of what 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 I'm uh, what I've been through. But uh, my family members, such as uncle and uh, other relatives, are still going through a pain there. Uh, in Lagman province, the the uh, the Taliban still controls uh, both houses, and uh, their fighters are living in there. Were like 300 people. They uh, uh, they have named me as a, a real infidel, and <laughs> which I totally disagree with. But uh, I'm proud on what I did. I'm proud on saving the uh, lives of innocent soldiers that came into Afghanistan. I'm not talking about the political side of it. I'm talking about the human lives that we have saved, and, and I am proud that I worked for the Afghan government under my own flag and uh, uh, it, it was awesome I mean we, we, we tried for the best but uh, due to bad political decisions and uh, poor leadership the uh, the government was not able to stand and, and, and it, it collapsed yeah, thank you for that what do you think it is that people don't understand about being in your shoes right now everything that you just told us the, the fact that you're now a refugee and, and what that means essentially is a sort of homelessness as you talked about Taliban members destroying, ransacking, stealing everything that you've ever worked for. Everything that you've experienced, and you're still experiencing it, you're still processing it. I think this is something like I know my dad was an Afghan refugee and it took him decades. I mean, we, we would sit outside, he would drink tea, he would tell me the stories, and as he's telling me the stories, he's processing still decades later what happened to him. But right now, what do you think it is that people, when you when you see the coverage of, of what's going on in Afghanistan, you see the media reports, you see the political speeches and presentations, what are people not understanding? Well, uh, I don't, I don't want to I don't want to like go very deeply into this matter, but uh, for me, as an Afghan, as a human, I'm just feeling that I'm away from my mother. I've lost my motherland. I've lost my mother and family. I mean, I grew up in Afghan community. That's true that I've been to the United States and I have a I'm a green card holder and uh, I have residence for UK now. But still, the most critical thing for me is that I'm not in the community that I grew up and. 
I, I, I moved, uh, believe it or not, when I, when, I, when I made it to the airport and until the UK was four days that I was wearing one pair of clothes, sweating and uh, the hot weather in Dubai and then coming here and living in a hotel uh, rather than living in your own country. It is very painful, believe it. Believe me, it's very, very painful to to be away from your own country, especially when your country is taken by terrorists. It means that your own compound and your family is attacked by 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 a ter- terrorist group, and uh, you got away alive, but some of your family members are still living under their flood, uh, and that has a that has a huge pain. But uh, to be honest with you. Uh, what I'm going through now, it's not, the world knows about it, what's going on. I mean, everybody's aware, but everybody's calm. And, and for the world, it's politics. For me, it's living, and it's it, it's matter of lives of Afghans who are like now, I mean, even the worst, where did in the world that happened that people would, you know, would, would jump into an aircraft tire and then they would, they would drop on a sky? I mean, where would the... Over 170 people got killed yesterday, you know, and, and that has a pain, and they're all my countrymen, and then that's my country, and that's where I want to live, and that's where I want to be. So, um, but I can't. If, if I do go back, I'll be killed. It is very sad, and uh, my, my, my wife's word to the world and to, to the international media will be that uh, this is not a news that we will, uh, we will share with the world, uh, but, and uh, we will have a laugh on our face. This is a very sad moment. Kids, women, and uh, or, uh, old people are dying, uh, and they're living under terrorist flags and under terrorist uh, rules. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's very sad, and uh, it has a very dark and bad news for Afghanistan and for its, its future. I mean, imagine that after 20 years, if you do stay in power, after 20 years, all our kids will be carrying weapons, and they will, they will have, have no education. Females would not go to school. I do not believe that Taliban or, or are allowing women to go to school. I mean, there is no guarantee. What will happen if she's on the way to school and she disappears? This has happened in the past. I mean, the universities that that, that we built in past years from taxpayers' money that came from all over the world, especially from the United States into Afghanistan, it's all wasted. I mean, the airport is gone. It's, I mean, 50% destroyed already. The, the building is on the building the technology the government system it's all under taliban control and and uh, i have videos for that as well to share they're playing with uh, with the comp- with computers like they they're playing with weapons so that is not what the the system was supposed to be used for but mean, now what do you mean they're playing with computers like they're playing with weapons well, they're smashing computers like drums, and they're mm. they're, they're like uh, they 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 are breaking the computers like uh, they would push the trigger. Mm. I mean, it's a computer there you have to be there. someone ringing Sorry. on the telephone. Sorry, alarm. Give me one sec. Uh, okay, go on. Sorry. So, I mean, they're familiar how to use weapons, but mm-hmm. they don't know how to use a computer. I would send you a video that will contain what they what they're uh, what I mean by not using a computer like a weapon, and uh, that will give you a very good uh, picture of that. Due to my speak English, I will not be able to uh, clarify everything uh, very specifically. So, no, I, I think but. you've painted a really clear portrait. Um, what does home mean to you? Well, to be honest, uh, home stands for family for 
of, of life, mother, father, and friends, and community. Uh, pretty much uh, uh, whatever human needs, it starts from being home. And uh, if you're home and you're in the community and uh, you have hoops for your kids and for your friends and for your nation, uh, for your people, uh, that's what m means for me, to me, home. And it's like a mother. When, when you have a mother and uh, you're looking after her, that's what I, what I call my home. And that's uh, Afghanistan. The Afghan people are struggling with a sense of belonging to their country. And we see, we see the Western representation really struggle to understand that. There was some guy yesterday who tweeted that, oh, is it really a terror attack if you're launching a terror attack against an, uh, a foreign power in your country? Not understanding that the terror attack was against Afghans as well. And so there's, there's a real loss of belonging, like you described, where 20 years of investments into universities and infrastructures, your radio station, your career, your life, your home, all of that is gone. And so Afghans are sort of lost in, in their own homeland in a way. And now you have an entire new diaspora of refugees. What does human belonging mean to you? Such as? Well, the, the idea of how do we belong to something? What does it mean to belong? In the context of the fact that Afghans are struggling to belong in their own homeland. You have a new experience and as refugees, a whole new journey ahead of you of trying to belong in a new community. And, and the way that people see community is very, very different in the West a lot of times than it is in the East. So when you look at the word of belonging, does that have any meaning to you? What does it mean to belong to something? Well, well that does. That I will, I will, I will modify so or explain that in a, in a way that uh, of my understanding is from uh, belonging to home. Like I explained before, we, we have our communities. We grew up there. We, we, we plan. We, we had a strategy for living. We had, a, we had plans for living. We, we had a, a government. We had a system in place. And uh, we were living for that government, those people in that community, which all got destroyed. It means that I belong to Afghanistan. And uh, when, when I'm not able to live in Afghanistan, I'm 50% alive. Uh, to be honest, uh, I will suffer pain every day, every second of my life, every minute of my life. And especially when you're involved in making it better, and then in suddenly it collapses, you know, it's all destroyed. So we lost the community, we lost the uh, the system, we lost the government, we, we, we lost it all. Moving into a new community, which which is greatly appreciated that at least we're staying alive. I mean, by, by the help of the foreign forces or contributing nations. Uh, evacuating people from Afghanistan. That's, that's, that's most important for us. But the thing is, we are being evacuated because we were royal to these people in these countries. That, that's greatly appreciated. We, we would stay alive, but we will, we, we will suffer. We will have the pain every second and every minute. And then it's not only like 100,000 or 200,000 people that we need to take out from Afghanistan. It is millions of people that do not want to live under Taliban flag or in their rules because they're not independent. They, 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 don't, they don't have the, uh, the, there is no human rights, there is no law, and there is no judge. They will make their own decision on the spot. They will kill somebody or they will forgive somebody. So uh, that's what it means to me, to be honest. Yeah. 
What do you think is the future of Afghanistan? We've got ISIS-K, the Haqqani Network, Afghans, Taliban. You've got foreign powers, China. Uh, you've got Pakistani influence, Iran. What's the future for this country? Well, as today, as we speak today, Afghanistan has no future. The U.S. involvement after two uh, nine one one and and, uh, and the contributing nations forces went to Afghanistan to work for several things. First of all, to get rid of the insurgents, Taliban's Afghani network and and uh, other terrorist organizations, Al Qaeda. For past twenty years or twenty one years, the the uh, Afghans, the Afghan nation, and uh, the Afghan people, the Afghan women, and uh, uh, the Afghan politicians, mostly, uh, work in strategy to have a long-term strategy in place to make sure that the government will stand even after the withdrawal of United States forces or foreign forces from Afghanistan. What we have achieved in the past uh, several years, we were able to um, to pass national constitution, there was a national constitution in place. There was uh, there was like uh, the laws, and there was like the uh, attorney general's office. There were the human rights, the women rights, and there were like a lot of international organizations. They were looking after the kids to go to school. Even the Afghan mothers and fathers were uh, focusing on how to educate their kids and uh, how to send them to school and to become a pilot, to join the army, to join the police, or to be a doctor, to be an engineer. It took 21 years or 20 years. At the end, it all collapsed. It's all destroyed. So we, we will have no university. If we have university, we will only be able to study Sharia law, which we are studying in a mosque anyway. And uh, being Muslim, we are all over that. We know it all anyways. So uh, we're not against that, but people have to be allowed to, to, to learn more, to to, to, to get used to the modernized system. Uh, where the world is today and where Afghanistan is, there is a huge gap. So Afghanistan is, uh, has no future under Taliban regime, and uh, the uh, Pakistani involvement and their support, they funded and they, they, they created, funded, and supported Taliban's and insurgents in Afghanistan. They have supported even the Haqqani network attacks in Afghanistan that, that have caused, that, that have uh, taken um, thousands of lives of the Afghan innocent kids and, and schools, and uh, there were attacks in schools. If you go back, like, and search for the uh, for the videos and reports. There were attacks in, on, on mosques. There were attacks on universities, and, and even females were killed and girls were killed going to school. So we have no future at the moment. What what will bring a future back to Afghanistan is to uh, pressurize Taliban for allowing the ex-government officials, the army, the police, to come back together. And uh, if the leadership is, um, if the, if the Taliban are on the top. And they're the leaders of the country, and we have uh, like a president from Taliban, but then the uh, the uh, the ministers in the cabinet is from professional people, from um, um, and then the we have the army that was trained and uh, supported and equipped by the um, uh, foreign forces back in place. Afghanistan will have a future, but if we if the international community is quiet about it and they, they do recognize the Taliban government in Afghanistan, there will be no future for Afghanistan. 
and Afghanistan will stand as a huge risk for the international community in the future as well, because all the terrorism from all over the world will make it into Afghanistan. Taliban has no borders with Pakistan. Pakistan has like 100% influence over over, uh, over Taliban, and their leaders were, were living in Pakistan. They're still living in Pakistan, and uh, we still don't know where the next president or the, the, the leader of Taliban is living. We strongly believe he's in Pakistan. And one day he will return to Afghanistan and start ruling the country. I'm so I'm half Pakistani and I have um, sort of privy access to all the comments you can think of that come from the Pakistani community right now in respect to what's going on. And what I what I hear is that is a great deal of deflection that Pakistan had any responsibility, any accountability what would you say to people, and there's a lot of people who think that Pakistan is completely blameless in this, uh, what would be your message to them? What could you say to convince them that, look, Pakistan has a role to play, it has played a role, it's been a devastating role, and this is what that role looks like? Well, when, when, when I was the Afghan border is a provincial director, uh, we, we spoke to Pakistani officials on a Turkan border who were involved in several meetings, even I worked on uh, uh, getting the uh, preparing the uh, uh, Afghan tribal strategy for for the uh, uh, occupied Afghanistan that that is under Pakistan control currently. Uh, we 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 did uh, wrote a strategy for that and we were uh, uh, we were going to implement it as well. But quite honestly, the, from the international community, these people have to get one important message from, uh, and that that has to be they have to accept it as a real human. I mean, the innocent Afghans that were that are being killed since years. I mean, after the Soviet Union Union involvement in Afghanistan and their fight from 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 those days till today, Pakistani intelligence is involved and uh, in every single attack in in, in Afghanistan. Uh, Haqqani Network were, was uh, you know is supported and backed by Pakistani intelligence, and uh, there is no need for proof to to give it to these people, because the the foreign minister of Pakistan, Qureshi, I've been following the news, is traveling to to every country in the Middle East and getting support uh, for, for Taliban. What does that mean? It means that that they are they are under the, the, the Pakistanis backing up the, the the Taliban government and they're supporting the Taliban government. Why? If, if we if we do think about bin Laden, where was he and yeah. who killed him? Where? And then following that, the Afghan borders, that the the explosions, the IEDs, the the, the ammunition that's coming into our country, that is all coming from Pakistan. And uh, and the commanders of Taliban, they do live in Pakistan. So people ask together, we have nothing against Pakistani nation. We 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 have nothing against them, but they even helped us in the, when the uh, during the Soviet uh, occupation, which is appreciated, but. It is the government of Pakistan and, and the agency, intelligence agency of Pakistan, who is supporting uh, the, the insurgency in Afghanistan. And the whole world is aware of this. Why are they doing it? What are they getting out of it? Well, it, 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 is a, it requires a huge explanation. As, a, as an Afghan, uh, I would, uh, I would uh, clearly state that Tehran Line is the Afghan land that's occupied uh, almost about uh, for for decades now by Pakistan, and they would like that to be under their control. I know they're putting the wire on the Tehran line, which is illegal according to the international border regulations, and uh, they would like to keep a weak Afghanistan under their command and control, so that way that Afghans will never get a chance to to ask Pakistan or the UN to to 
returning our land to us. I mean, uh, thousands of Pashtuns are leaving across the, the the buffer zone that I would call, or not call it a border because it's not a border, and they occupied it by force. So an unstable Afghanistan with a weak government allows Pakistan to keep the terrain line in that area under their control for years. So now we're back to zero. They will have it for 50 more years, I'm guessing. If uh, if the Panjshir resistance fail, they will have it for, for forever. So um, that's why they're creating all those problems in, in, in Afghanistan. So And, and also they, they, they would like the Afghan, Afghan government to um, to um, to to make sure that their foreign policy meets the requirements of Pakistan and the interests of Pakistani government. That's another bit that we have been struggling with uh, with Pakistan. I wanted to ask you about Panjshir Valley and the resistance there with Ahmed uh, Masood. How viable is that? Because I know you've got the former vice president or technically current vice president. You've got the defense. I think was secretary of defense or defense minister. You've got the resistance there. Is that a viable standoff? Like, what do you see happening there? Well, I don't want to talk a lot about that because I don't have a lot of accurate information about it. Mm-hmm. Not that much. But what what I see now is the 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 form the. Uh, the, the former uh, the vice president, Amullah Saleh, uh, who was uh, uh, was well trained and had enough experience to to uh, to make sure the Taliban will not enter Kabul city. He lost his trust. He, he before everybody he made it to Panjshir, and uh, I think they are fighting specifically fighting for how to be a part of the Taliban government. He's not fighting for Afghanistan. I strongly believe. And there is another bit that is the uh, son of Masood and, uh, and and their fighters that are uh, there. They are concerned about the future as well. And uh, up to this minute that we have the conversation, I don't think they have any international support from any country. But uh, if they do, if they are supported by, by USA or, or any other NATO uh, member country, I'm sure that resistance will uh, once again uh, uh, make it into Kabul city and have the control over the capital. But then, uh, what, what uh, my concerns about resistance are that most of the uh, important members of the resistance, like the ex-Secretary of Defense and uh, Minister of Defense for Afghanistan, Bismillah Khan, and others, uh, those were involved, and they were the main people of the Afghan back to the Afghan Islamic Republic of Afghanistan under Ashraf Ghani's leadership, and they all run away. So there are two things. First, if if they're fighting for the interest and the national uh, benefits of Afghanistan and for the nation, they will never surrender. They will keep it up. They will they will keep hitting it, and you know, and they will keep fighting. But I strongly believe that these people are only looking to find a position in in, 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 in the new government and uh, to get their assurance from Taliban that they, they will not be attacked and all those money that they have got from the U.S. or through the corruptions that they've made a lot of buildings in Kabul city will not be destroyed. As soon as they get those, those assurances, a lot of the resistance uh, leaders or members will run away. But then we have the uh, uh, Ahmad Masood, who will try to go on his father's way. But uh, his father was backed up by European nations back, back in the day, and, and he was backed up by the United States. If, if his son is backed up, uh, I'm sure a lot of people like us will join the resistance and, uh, and uh, will try to have a peaceful Afghanistan again and uh, will try to clean uh, the, the, the Afghan areas from terrorists. Last question. You mentioned that Afghanistan is a land without a future, with no future. You are a father with two sons, young sons, four and six. 
What do you see in another generation of children growing up with no education, no no nurturing, no no even accurate theology, no nothing? What do you see in another generation for Afghanistan, the next generation of children? Well, as the international community, plus the Afghans that they have made it uh, to UK, United States, and other countries, they they start stay calm and do nothing about the current situation in Afghanistan. Like I said, there will be no future. And there will be a very dark future for the Afghan kids. But we're not going to sit. We're not going to sit and, 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 and work and eat. We're going to keep. We're going to keep fighting through our through social medias, through where our uh, uh, Facebook and others to try to get people together, try to convince the leadership of the government, and, and try to convey the message to the Afghans that your kids have to make good school. And uh, we will still keep fighting for a change. We, I mean, there's no future. We will have to work hard. And uh, with all those uh, people that uh, we have on the ground back in Afghanistan, we still have contacts with uh, our friends who are educated, who are, who, and a lot of people who have master degrees, and uh, they, they are they well-known uh, and trustable young uh, um, politicians. We will try to get them all together and under a flag where we would uh, raise our voice once again and convince Taliban government if they if they if they ruled Afghanistan for a long time to allow kids to go to school and allow uh, women to go to school. It, it will be with a risk. We will still lose a lot of people. Uh, it, it will post a, a risk on our families and relatives in Afghanistan, but we have no other choice. Uh, the, the message that the, what, what I believe today is we will never uh, and, and, and never uh, stop fighting for our future. We will have to build a future. We cannot just let the Taliban or allow Taliban to to do what they want. We'll still keep fighting. As soon as we are settled in the foreign countries, we will uh, we'll convey the message to the nation. We will try and work hard, and uh, hopefully, we will we will be able to help the uh, the kids to have a good future. listening to On Human Belonging, a project of the Foundation for Human Belonging. I'm your host, Shireen Gdosi. Stories are the most human thing about us, and if we can understand our crisis at this point, using a framework of stories, then we can perhaps endeavor to understand our world today and our place in it, as well as learn the skills to build the world we want, so that we don't have to go the route of other groups of people who felt that in times of extreme stress and duress, the only way to survive was to become more extreme.